The sun is bright, and I want it to stay this way until we get to the lock. But the rocky, mountainous pass we're walking in this wild bit of Scotland goes on and on. Every step asks for attention, with huge drops, streams in the trail, and bogs of questionable depth. But each step also brings bigger and wilder beauty. Grassy peaks now with huge rock sections as if slices of bread. The light catches the dampness and glimmers like silver. We finally reach a lochan, a small alpine lake. The sun is hidden by a dark cloud that looks more like fog than cloud. Below is bright, but the fog changes the light to a kind of gloaming, black with a yellow underbelly. It's mysterious and pregnant as we stumble over rocks to circle the lochan. Below this lochan is another one, larger and more shapely. I carefully place my stick so I can step down steep rocks just as it begins to rain. It's heavy, and the wind blows hard, splashing water directly in my face. I'm okay, but it's cold and really time to get there. Just then, two hikers come up, friendly Scots, even in this downpour. With my face turned away from the rain, I see them smile when Ted asks them how far to go to the Bothy. They stop and look at their watch and say, 90 minutes, which dampens our already damp spirits. But I can see light again, signaling the rain moving on and the sun taking its place. It's the most remote and wild bit of Scotland yet on the Cape Wrath Trail. You're listening to the Blissful Hiker Podcast. I'm Allison Young, the Blissful Hiker, sometime professional flutist, sometime voice artist, and full-time pedestrian. Thanks so much to Lecky Trekking Poles and Belega Socks for their support. Also, Summit Orthopedics in the Twin Cities, my choice for two total hip replacements. My goal in sharing stories of walking long-distance trails as a solo, female, middle-aged, titanium-reinforced hiker is to empower you to learn to hike your own hike, too. We get up this morning with the rain thrashing at the Bothy. I've learned, even in these first days, that it sounds worse on a metal roof than it really is. But I'm glad to be inside organizing gear in a dry space where I can stand. A Bothy is a basic shelter, usually left unlocked and available for anyone to use free of charge. The Mountain Bothy Association has taken charge of around 100 shelters in remote mountainous areas of Scotland and northern England. You might call it camping without a tent, but there's lots of things that can happen in a bothy, like a fire, candles, and a line to dry out our wet gear. This bothy at Corey Hulley and Glen Finnan is my very first, and it has power with lights and a tea kettle. There is a sign on the wall that tells us how to manage our toilet, writing in no uncertain terms to bury our shit with the provided shovel and never near the bothy itself. Also, to please pack out your shit paper, something my hiking partner refuses to do. Our walk begins uphill, all the way to a beelock or pass on jeep track, easy to find and relatively easy underfoot, though it's as if the rocks were laid for cobblestones. 
We see the rain returning in a fast-moving dark cloud and throw up our hoods over our heads in time. Our first ford over a burn or stream is a snap and just an introduction to coming attractions. The rain is on and off, or as one of the gals in the Bothies said, in Scotland it's either raining or about to. But it makes the sky dark as night. Such strange light here. It's noir and dour. Until the sun pops out and makes everything sparkle. It's steep, but we're strong. I don't know anyone who keeps my same pace like my friend Ted, or is willing to take the misery of backpacking in stride so well. He's more what is called a fell runner, and is used to these hills. The weather, as well as the hard, oftentimes extremely steep track. I thought we'd find no trail whatsoever, but flattened down bits are obvious. It's more about your choice of how to place your foot and how to avoid the wettest, boggiest, suck-you-in areas. And this is most important once we reach the bee lock. Here, there's a gate for a fence to keep in animals, but in this case, only the gate remains, standing alone in this lonely place between two massive Monroes, Streep and Skorhulam, and their stern directions on the gate to keep it shut. Up here, we were warned last night, it's a hellscape of damp. One burn after another falls down the mountain and cascades through deep chasms in the grass, heading into Glen Kernan and the churning river below. At first, it's boggy, wet areas on grass we splash through, as well as areas of mud where Ted's legs seem to easily find the deepest holes. But then the going gets tricky. Rocks are added to the mix, requiring each step be planned and managed. The group also told us to take care and stay to the right, at least eventually, or we'll have a nasty ford and water to our waist. But now we're on the left, looking at a snaky river below on a flat plateau. Flat, of course, means wet, and it's as advertised. Socks, shoes, rain pants, all wet, and the walking sticks getting a workout, trying to keep me upright as I step long, leap, or try to find rocks for the feet. The sun comes out before another gray patch appears and cuts loose with rain. But aside from one short moment at the top in wind, I'm warm and feeling exhilarated by the views and my strong walking. We stay vigilant, though, knowing we'll have to get to the right before long. I notice a rock cairn and some flattened grass, but they take us to an eroded bank and no easy access to the river. I plow up and over thick ferns, and then I see a more obvious entry. I go in first, studying the fall line, unhooking my backpack, and then looking for the flattest area to slowly crab my way across. New Zealand helped me build skills, but mostly crossing is a matter of finding the best spot with water below your knees if possible. It's hard to keep my poles steady as I advance, but I never lift a leg before they're set. And soon, I'm across. Ted follows and we walk down the right bank, only to be deposited at another crossing. Hell no! I look to the right, and it appears that others had the same idea as us, sidling on a narrow strip of grass high above the raging river. 
I take care crossing a side cascade but soon reach a flat spot pointing down towards a road. It's boggy and wet here, water up above our ankles, but we press on, cross a bridge and move through a wetland thick with rushes towards a building. The sky clears again, leaving huge cumulus clouds drifting by. It seems it could go on all day, but then more mist moves in, followed by rain. It's a road now to Glendessery, passing a slash cut of stumps, and then it heads into the forestry of pine trees. Are these spruce? These plantations are controversial, changing the grass, heather, and rock hills to an unvarying canvas of dark green. It's nice to walk, though, but feels more Pacific Northwest than Scotland. We miss the turn for Akulbathi, but it does feel too early. And Surly's Bothy is at one of the most exquisite locations on the trail. So we head up into the glen, just as the sky clears and the sun shines brightly, causing the rock outcropping to dazzle the eye. You're listening to the Blissful Hiker Podcast. It's a series of personal essays coupled with found sound and my own flute playing, exploring my journey of self-discovery as a middle-aged woman, sharing the sometimes unglamorous but vital truth about empowerment as badass people who don't need permission to blaze our own trails in this journey we call life. It's a perfect time to stop and soak up the sun. Do we head back to the Bothy, which we can see now, tucked in just at the edge of the forestry? Well, a little lunch will help us decide, right here on an outcropping of rock, where we take off our jackets and consider the distance left and if there's time. Why not? Let's do it. It's steep up into more forestry, where we cross a rickety bridge with huge spaces between slats over a torrent, then into fragrant pine needles, where we filter water for our ascent. It's muddy and wet on Jeep track and extremely steep. The rain returns even as the sun shines, drops like ornaments on the branches. We finally let out into a giant bowl with a trio of Monroes looking on. A Monroe is the highest of the mountains in the UK. There are about 300 of them all over 3,000 feet, which may not sound like a lot to someone who's climbed several dozen Colorado 14ers, but add in the proximity to the ocean and high latitude, and you have mountains that create their own weather and are known to have severe and sudden storms. The sun appears for dramatic effect as we reach another gate along with a stile on its own. Through deep puddles, rushing water and mud, we climb up towards a cleft in the mountains. We're tired and ready to see the Bothy on the edge of Loch Nevis, both of us assuming it will be in that opening. But instead, it's more rock, humpy grass, burns, and bogs. It's slow going finding our way through, beautiful for sure, in an austere way. It goes to show that judging your day by the number of miles means little when the terrain is so hard to navigate. There's no walking in a straight line here but constantly determining the best path through deep mud and water, as well as finding good footing on rocky ledges. The water is racing down now, and I hear a waterfall ahead. 
that means only one thing. We've got to go up again to avoid this chasm. Exhausted now, I'm not sure how we manage, but our legs are still strong and we push up a thin, rocky trail to one of the most extraordinary overlooks I've ever seen. Loch Nevis is tucked into mountains far below, seeming to emanate from the mist. An ancient place with stories to tell, I'm sure. And it's still a long way down through water, bog, and rocks. And this is not maintained footpath, but rather a kind of herd trail, zigzagging steeply. In one spot... I need to sit down to advance. Down and down we go, Ted slipping once but managing to land on his shoulder and not on his hands. Eventually we reach a bridge high above a noisy rapids with a sign that warns us it's unstable and to take care. (laughs) The wet patches never let up as we pass ruins, the sun setting in technicolor at the opposite end. We're able to walk on a tri-toned, seaweed-covered beach where two deer grays, walking toward a tiny stone building, feeling absolutely exhausted and famished. Two men are already there and kindly offer up hot water and the best sleeping platform. Dinner is buffalo pasta with six mayo packages each, a few bars and a mug of chocolate peanut butter. Clothes are hung, conversation shared amidst candlelight, and all of us turn in by 8 o'clock, falling asleep quickly and deeply as deer roar, and the rain starts up again. You can subscribe to Blissful Hiker wherever you get your podcasts, and please leave a review on Apple to help the show get discovered. Blissful Hiker is on Patreon right now. You can support the show financially as a patron, Help me buy food, get to where I'm going, wash and repair the kit, and carve out the time it takes to write and record. Find a link to Patreon in the show notes or at blissfulhiker.com. Next week, we're rewarded for our effort in going so far today by having a somewhat clear day in Scotland's wilderness of Noidart. That's before the rain settles in for good. Until then, my friends, kia kaha and happy trails. <laughs>